Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. The title of my message today is There's Always Hope. Turn to the person next to you and say, There's Always Hope. Yes, 2 Kings 4. We are going to camp out in this story, and I'm just going to take my time walking us through verse by verse. Because I believe this story with Elijah and this family and this Shunammite woman is going to speak prophetically into where we are as a church. 2 Kings 4, 8. One day Elijah went to Shunam, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this is a man who often comes our way, and he is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put it in a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. She was so touched by him. She said, you know what? Let's make it more comfortable for him when he comes. He's always traveling and ministering. I already have a Pinterest board of something I wanted to do on our add-on anyways. So why not put that to use? And so I already have a link picked out for a lamp and a table and a bed. And let's just take great care of him. And then he can stay there whenever he comes. Verse 11. One day when Elijah came, he went up to his room because his precious woman made a room for him. And he lay down there. And he said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her. And she was a well-to-do woman. She was affluent. She was wealthy. And he called to her. And as she stood before him, verse 13, Elijah said to him, tell her, you have gone to great trouble for us. Now, what can be done for you? And I feel like the Father is saying to each of us today, what can be done for you? What can be done for your family? What can be done for your business? What can be done for your community? What can be done for your mental health? What can be done for your school year? He is asking you this morning, what can be done for you? And then he said, Can we speak on your behalf to the king or commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. And her response to me in that moment, it's when someone asks you how you're really doing and it's passive and you say, I'm fine. But really, you know that there's more that God wants to do in your life. Really, you know that you have a marriage in crisis. Really, you know that you might have layoffs coming up that you need to have the hard conversations with people. Really, you know that you're worried because your teenager has been staying out past curfew. But when people ask you, you just say, I'm fine. I'm blessed. Highly favored. God is good. He's faithful. But sometimes behind that cliche answer is real pain, real disappointment, and a loss of hope. And I feel like this woman, she was strong and she was a leader, but she just gave a blanket response and she said, you know what? I have a home among my people. I'm good. And I'm talking to you this morning to remind you that there is more that God wants to do. You may be blessed. You may have an abundant life, but there's still more that he wants to do in your family, in your mindset, in your community, in your, in your beliefs, in your legacy. There's more. And he's asking you to not just give a bland answer of I'm fine. He wants to remind you that he's still working. He's still performing miracles. And as she said that, 
Elijah didn't take no for an answer. And he still said, and I believe that God is saying the same thing to us this morning. What can be done for her? Elijah asked. Gehazi said, and I love this, because his assistant basically told, had the receipts. And he said, you know what? She lying. <laughs> and he put her business on front street. And this is what he said. Because it's so, it's so great. Because you can be in a connect group or a Bible study or your small group. And it's time to give prayer requests. And the person next to you knows what you're struggling in. And they know that that's the moment where you need to open up. Or you can be in a team huddle. And your team leader says, hey, how can I be praying for you? And you say, oh, I'm good. But then your best friend or your spouse nudges you and says, you better open up. Or you better come forward and get prayer. And so Gehazi did that in that moment. And he said, you know what? She has no son and her husband is old. So basically, they're gonna need some divine intervention. She has no son. And put whatever it is that you see like I have no in front of this moment. I have no wisdom for what's ahead for my company. Or I, found, I feel like I have no faith in this season. Or I feel like I have no strength. Or I feel like this situation I'm in seems impossible. I feel like if I told you what I was really going through, you wouldn't want to even sit next to me. Whatever that is that seems impossible in your life, I just need you to know that God is not intimidated by it. I need you to know that you're in a house of miracles. You're in a house of breakthrough. You're in a house of prayer. You're in the right place at the right time, whether you're online, Joplin, whatever location you're at, God sees you. He hears you. He wants to open up your mouth. He wants to remind you that he is faithful, that he is just, that he is filled with mercy and loving kindness, and he has a miracle for you. Verse 15, we're just walking through her story. Then Elijah said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. And I think about that part of the scripture that says she stood in the doorway. And it makes me think as I put myself in her shoes, that she didn't even walk all the way in. That she didn't know she could boldly come to the throne. She didn't know that she could ask with expectation. So she stood in the doorway, I'm thinking, not even filled with faith, not even filled with hope, not knowing that she has a heavenly father that wants to answer her at a request. And some of us are standing at the doorway when it comes to our marriages. Some of us are standing at the doorway when it comes to the future of our family. Some of us are standing at the doorway when it comes to being generous. And you're just standing there, you're listening, but you're not fully listening. But I just need you to know that God sees you and he hears you and he can grab a hold of your heart even when you're in the doorway. And in that moment, Elijah prophesied over her and I believe he's prophesying over us this morning and he said about this time next year everybody say about this time about this time next year Elijah said to her you will hold a son in your arms this is what she said and her answer I believe was because I think her heart got hardened I think she was discouraged I think she stopped believing. I think she inserted that her life was great because she was blessed financially, so she didn't need to believe God for more. But I think deep down on the inside, she definitely wanted a son. Deep down on the inside, she got to the place where she hardened her heart and stopped believing. And the reason why I know this to be true, because listen to her response after being prophesied over. 
And a sign that your heart is growing weary or growing hardened is when someone speaks the word of God over you and someone declares truth and you do what this woman did. She said, no, my Lord. And she objected to the prophecy and the plan of God for her life in that moment. And she said that because she allowed her heart to grow cold. May we not allow our hearts to grow cold. And if they are, may as I'm speaking this word, that the spirit of the living God fall fresh upon your heart and remind you that he is a healer, he is a miracle worker, that he loves you, and he has a plan and purpose for your future. She said, because of her pain, and this was her pain talking, please, man of God, don't lie to me. Don't mislead your servant. Don't get my hopes up. Don't, I don't want to believe again because the last time I believed it didn't happen. I don't want to hope again because I'm afraid that the miracle is only going to happen for my sister or my brother, but it's not going to happen for me. Verse 17, but it was prophesied just like we hear prophecy here all the time. And, but the woman became pregnant and next year, about the same time she gave birth to a son, just as Elijah had told her. Verse 18. The child grew, and one day he went out with his father, who was with the reapers, and he said to his father, my head, my head. And I think about the miracles that we all have in our life, and the blessings, and I think about the moments when sometimes it feels like our miracle is in jeopardy, or sometimes it feels like I need to give up hope right now, because what I thought was a gift feels like it's causing great pain. And that's what happened here. His father told a servant, carry him, or basically carry my miracle to his mother. Verse 20, after the servant had lifted him and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap. So she's holding her miracle on her lap. She's holding her answered prayer on her lap until noon, and then he died. So I think about her holding on to her promise. I think about like we do moms and dads when our kids are sick, we speak life over them, we sing over them, we pray over them, we text friends to believe God for a breakthrough and a miracle, we remember the infertility battle, we remember that it was a promise to us, we remember when our company was just getting off the ground, we remember when we tried to get into that school, we finally got into that school, but the pressure and the finals and the late nights are getting to us, and it feels like, am I going to make it, am I going to get past this class, and we're holding the thing that we believe God for in our life and it feels like it died. She went up and she laid him on the bed of the man of God and she shut the door and went out. And I think about the pain she's feeling. I think about the frustration, but I also think even in the midst of her pain, she was in the right mind to shut the door. Throughout scripture, you see there's a time when Jesus shut the door when he was praying for the little girl that died. Sometimes we just have to shut the door on the people that are negative, on the people that aren't going to believe God with us, on the people that aren't going to speak life, on the people that are going to idolize doubt and fear instead of believe God for a miracle. So I feel like her shutting the door symbolized I need a smaller circle around me in this moment. I need to be surrounded by people that are going to speak life, declare truth, and believe God for a miracle. So even in her pain, she knew I need to shut the door. 
Some of us have some doors open in some relationships that are not breathing life on our marriage, not breathing life on our single life, not breathing life on us staying planted in this healthy church. And the word of the Lord for you this morning is shut the door. Tell the person next to you, shut the door. Say it like you mean it. Shut. Yes, yes, yes. So verse 22, she called her husband and she said, Please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. I love that in that moment, she knew that she needed to get to the man of God. When you're going through storms in life, the best place to be is the house of God. I think sometimes when a storm tries to take you out or you're in the situation where you're feeling great pressure, you sometimes isolate yourself and think, I can't bring that with me. But I just need you to know that you couldn't picked a better, you couldn't have picked a better place to be when life is hitting you. So you shut the door and you get to the house of God. When your family is going through a tough time, don't stay back. You rush to any location or you jump online from that hospital room and you say, God, I'm going to put myself, I'm going to put this situation, I'm going to put this problem in front of you because I know it's the best place. And I love that she said quickly. Verse 23, her husband, why go to him today? He asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. That's all right. She said, when people say to you, why are you at church all the time? Why are you always giving? Why are you so involved? Why are you on the dream team? Why are you the first one there, the last one out? You tell them, it's all right. It's all right. Verse 24, she saddled that donkey and said to her servant, lead on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the, Mount, the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, and as I read that this morning, as I was preparing for today, I felt like God said to remind you, church, he sees you in the distance. He sees you running towards him. He sees your faithfulness. He sees your doubt. He sees your faith. He sees you in the distance, and he is walking towards you. He saw her in the distance. The man of God said to the servant, Gehazi, look, there's a Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, are you all right? And I said that earlier today, and I feel like the Father is saying the same thing to you. Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your wife all right? Is your single life all right? Is your company all right? Is your mental health all right? Is your family all right? Is your child all right? And then she said, everything is all right. And as I was studying, one commentary said, instead of preparing for a funeral, the reason why she said it was all right, because she was preparing for a resurrection. And I wonder if this morning God is reminding us to prepare for a resurrection, to prepare for old things to be passed away, for all things to become new, to prepare for a resurrection in our family, to prepare for a resurrection in our marriage, to prepare for a resurrection in our mental health. He is building our faith this morning. He is calling us to be expectant, to believe God for the impossible. Verse 27, when she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Because even though in that moment she said it was all right, she also was desperate. She was clinging to faith. She was clinging to the promises of God. She wasn't reluctant about it. She was desperate. She was grabbing a hold of her miracle. She was grabbing a hold of her promise, and she clung to the man of God. And Gehazi came over to her to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and not told me why. 
Verse 28. This is her being honest and real. And sometimes we get to this point in our marriages, our businesses, in leading with our families, in all the things that happen to us and hit us because we live in a broken world. And I feel the height of her emotions in this moment. I feel her disappointment and I feel the weight that's on her. And some of us today have weight on us. And you're asking God the same thing. Did I ask you for a son? Did I ask you for this business? Did I ask you to this leadership call in my life? Did I ask you for this spouse? Did I ask you for a son, my Lord? She said, didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? Didn't I tell you I don't want to get involved in church again? Didn't I tell you that I'm not open to being remarried after my divorce? Didn't I tell you I didn't want my company to take off this quickly? I remember a time in my life when I felt that same way. I remember the time in my life when we had just started our church, and I've shared with you this before, but the pressures were hitting us. The um, frustration was hitting us, feeling like all hope was lost at times. We were hit with medical battle after medical battle after medical battle. And I remember watching Earl stay up late at night, pacing the room. I remember watching him pray. I remember him telling me that he had headaches because of the pressure that he felt. And I remember thinking, God, this church was your idea. It was not our idea. I was content living in Austin, Texas, being a part of an amazing life-giving church. I didn't choose Dallas. I didn't choose to be a pastor's wife. I thought I was going to be a news anchor. I didn't ask for this. I really did. Couldn't you see me, like, doing the news? I just, yeah, I, I, can you see me doing that? I didn't choose it. But God chose me because he saw lives on the other side of my life. And just like some of the things you're saying, and you're like despising God right now because you're saying, I didn't pick this for my life. He's saying, I chose you for such a time as this. I've set you apart. Would you trust me? Would you grab a hold of my promises? Because breakthrough is happening. Verse 29, Elijah said to Gehazi, tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you meet, and if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. Verse 30. But the child's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. And I love that she knew she needed to stay close to God's presence. I knew that she had a sense of urgency about it. And I feel like as we cling close to the house of God, as we cling close to the people of God, as we cling close to Jesus's promises, we will continue to see breakthroughs. We will continue to see miracles, but we just have to stay locked in. And this woman was locked in. She said, I'm not going to leave you. Verse 31, Gehazi went on ahead of her and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. And I feel like some of the things that we're believing God for that haven't happened yet, you're saying to me, Onika, there's still no sound or response. My husband is still the same. My wife is still the same. My employees are still the same. My thought life is still the same. And we're going to see a picture in this story of what God can do even when it seems like there's no response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elijah and told him, you know what, the boy's not awake. My marriage is not strong again. My single life, the purity that I want in my single life, I haven't gotten it together yet. The addiction, I have not been able to shake it yet. My company that's supposed to grow and be one of the top companies is just not happening. There's no pulse. 
Verse 32. When Elijah reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on the couch. He went in and once again shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and laid on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands, and he stretched himself out on him. The boy's body grew warm. Sometimes miracles are gradual. Sometimes they happen in an instant in the blink of an eye, but sometimes it happens over time. And so if there's a miracle that you're believing for that hasn't happened yet, I have good news for you this morning. God sees you. He's still working. He's still faithful. He's still good. He hears your prayers. He sees your cries, and he is working on your behalf. And I believe that whatever it is that you're thinking in your heart this morning that hasn't happened yet, it's growing warm even as I speak. Verse 35, Elijah turned away and walked back and forth. There are times in our life as we believe God for breakthrough, for miracles, for healing. Sometimes you just have to walk the floor. Sometimes you just have to walk the floor and say, God, I trust you. God, you're good. God, you're faithful. My situation isn't good, but I'm going to walk the floor by faith. I remember not too long ago, it was just a month ago, my, husband, my family was having family dinner. My son was home for college break. We had the best family dinner. And at dinner, Earl said to my oldest son, Parker, would you bless our family? And so we prayed a prayer of blessing over our family. And then he said, I'm going to go to the gym. So he went to the gym. I was just, I was upstairs literally like, you know those seasons where you're like praying, but then you're like in and out of praying. So it was like multitasking, but also praying. And I got a phone call. And it was a number that I did not recognize. So I didn't pick it up. And it kept calling. And I said to my husband, did you order a delivery? And he said, no. So I ignored the number. And then the phone kept ringing again. But this time it was from my son who was supposed to be at the gym. And I picked up the phone. And it was another voice. And the voice said, your son's been in a car accident. And the voice said, he's okay, but the ambulance is on the way. So my husband and I probably drove 100 miles per hour. And we got to the scene where my son was run off the road, went through a fence and an embankment. And I remember seeing him lying on the asphalt. And so I can definitely feel with this Shunammite woman I can feel like, God, we didn't ask for this. Our miracle service is just hours away. Our son was just here for a couple weeks. And now I see him on the asphalt laid out. And he was crying just like the little boy. And he said, my head hurts just like the little boy. And I remember as I, I literally like laid on top of him, just like this woman in this story. And I just started singing over him. And I kept saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And Earl, I saw him, he was pacing, he was walking, and he kept saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And when life hits, you gotta walk the floor. You gotta pray. You gotta believe God for a miracle. You gotta ask him for the impossible. 
And in that moment, I made an Instagram post because I said, this is not how our story is going to end. The devil tried to come against my family. He tries to come against your family with fear, with lies, and with doubts. And we can follow Elijah's example and we can walk the floor. We can pray. We can press in. Your pastors here, they walk the floor. They stay up late praying for you and crying out to God. But what would happen if all of James River said, I'm going to walk the floor. I'm going to show up in prayer. I'm going to believe God for healing, for miracles, for breakthrough. I'm not going to shrink back in my darkest hour. I'm going to stretch my faith out and believe God for the impossible. So we walk that floor all the way to the hospital. I was blasting worship music and I was praying in the spirit. And I'm here to tell you today that God healed my son. He protected my son. And the weapon was formed, but it did not prosper. And the weapons that are formed against you, they will not prosper. He laid on that bed, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. And he stretched himself out on, the, stretched himself out on him. The boy's body grew warm. Elijah turned away, like I said, and walked back and forth in the room. And then he got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Verse 36, we're seeing a miracle happen before our very eyes in scripture. And this is to encourage our faith, to remind us that God still does miracles today. And we will read about your miracles in the future and future generations. Verse 36, Elijah summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. And he did. And when she came, he said, take your son. She came in. She fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. And I think about how Elijah just stretched himself out over the little boy. And I think about how this church and the Big C Church has stretched out its body over me. I think about how every host, every greeter, every parking lot attendant, every dream team member, the pastors here, every Sunday they're stretching themselves out. They're saying, God, use me. Would you make me new? Would my life be a light for someone else? And I feel like as a corporate church, that just like Jesus Christ stretched out on us, he's asking you, James River Church, would you stretch your faith out on this world? Other churches need what you have. Other leaders need what you have. Other marriages, would you need, would you, you need what you have? I feel like miracles are in this room. And when you stretch, it's uncomfortable. When you stretch, it's not easy. When you stretch, it's sore. But just like Elijah stretched out on that little boy, new life came. He went eye to eye, hand to hand, breath to breath. And this morning, God is going eye to eye with you, hand to hand with you, breath to breath, stretching out over your marriages, stretching out over your business, stretching out over your life. And I'm so thankful that I have leaders in my life like James and Debbie, who I have seen year after year stretch themselves out selflessly. Not for a name, not for fame, not to be accoladed, but because they're faithful. And so I'm gonna follow in their example. And even when it's hard, even when I feel misunderstood, even when it's not convenient, I'm gonna stretch myself out over my kids, over my church, over my city, and I'm gonna declare breakthrough, miracles, wonders. I'm going back to Dallas. Change. I pray you go back home. Change. Encourage.
dead things rise again. We see a great army. Let me pray for you, church. Can we stretch our hands to heaven in all of our locations? And then we're going to sing a little. Father God, I thank you for James River Church. I thank you that our best days are ahead. I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you will use this church to stretch out over the world. I thank you that businesses will be breathed out of this church. I thank you that new healings will be birthed out of this church. I thank you for breakthrough. I thank you for miracles. I thank you for signs and wonders. I thank you that people will get out of wheelchairs. I thank you that blind eyes will continue to see. I I think that people that